In the first of a two-part feature, WFHB interviewed Indiana University Professor Roger Hangarter about biodiversity. Would you define biodiversity? I see biodiversity as the variation and variability in life forms and within species also. Tremendous biodiversity, whether you see it or not. When did the term biodiversity become a routine part of scientific discussion? Good question, but I think it actually became part of it when I was in college in the early 70s, maybe a little before that, when I first started hearing about it, and then it just seems to have been part of conversation. In terms of popular discussion of biodiversity beyond academics or scientific circles? Yeah, that probably took a number of years before it really became something you would see in the newspapers and magazines, so probably in the 80s. And how, how does biodiversity occur, starting with the emergence of life on the Earth some three and a half billion years ago? A lot of accidents. <laughs> so a lot of things are occurring because the chemistry allows the life to start. Then life's, all life forms have to reproduce and get their nutrition and energy from the environment. And so we see organisms just evolving to be able to eke out a living in all these different locations with different climates, different nutrition sources, and also different organisms with them that they're all interacting with and feeding off of and feeding themselves too. So it's a very, it's a noisy system, but it gets into a rhythm. Was there an era when our planet was more biodiverse? I don't know that for sure, and I doubt anybody really knows that because a lot of that would be based on fossil evidence and many mm -hmm. things can't be fossilized. The earliest life forms were microbes and single cells, and a lot of that evidence for their existence is from traces of things. You don't have fossils of microorganisms mm -hmm. very much. Microorganisms are incredibly diverse, so I wouldn't be surprised if early on we had, in terms of numbers of species, it's possible there were even more back in the early days, but a lot of people, I think, believe that the most biodiversity has been in the last several million years. Why the past several million years? You know, this is what I was saying. It's hard to know because the fossil record is not complete. We have a lot more data from the last few million mm -hmm. years, so it's quite possible. It's like looking for your keys under the lamppost, you know? <laughs> it's just easier to find the, the evidence. What's the estimate of the total number of flora and fauna at present? faculty member in our department here at IU has published a paper recently that has estimated it to be about one trillion species. And is there any more flora versus fauna? I think there's more fauna than flora in terms of numbers of different species. You're a plant biologist yeah. and, and you've been talking a lot about biodiversity to various groups. How did you move to, in that direction? Well, I've always been interested in all sorts of biology. That's why I became a biologist. You know, as a kid, we were out in the woods all the time. My parents would take us to the woods and say, have a nice day, and we'd come home at dinner time. Something that no one does anymore, except for grown-ups. <laughs> you know, we were out all the time. We were collecting organisms. We were looking at them. We were reading about them. My brother, my sister, and I all had a strong fascination with these things. I had an amazing grandmother who was an avid gardener and she taught us a lot about plants and how they work and while she was making us weed and mower right, <laughs> lawn right, and right. that sort of thing. We just learned a lot from that. So from my grandmother's motivations, we developed just a routine thing. We always collected things, we cataloged things, 
read about them. When I started, you know, when it was time to go to college, I actually was going to be a veterinarian. That was my plan until I started taking some classes and learned that I was much more interested in how things work um, at the fundamental level. And just through circumstances, I ended up becoming a plant physiologist. Mm -hmm. um, opportunities presented themselves, they were interesting, and I went in that direction. I've never stopped being interested in what's outside, so my lab research is lab research. My For 30-something years, I've been working in a laboratory. Mm -hmm. But when I'm not working in the laboratory, I'm often outside exploring. And the advent of digital cameras gave me an opportunity to just start cataloging and I love doing photography so it's a fun activity and instead of just looking at the bird I try to take pictures of it or looking at the butterfly I try to take that allowed me now to have a huge database of photographs of biodiversity and almost all of it's from here so I kind of stick around here I don't travel very far for doing this and my reason for that is I don't know how many years now David Attenborough and Public television has taught us that biodiversity is something you go find in Madagascar and Borneo and Africa, and that's where all the nature is. And no one really thinks about nature in their own space. I think that's a real danger, not being aware of the biodiversity we have in our own locality, because it's very easy to ignore it, which makes it very easy to destroy it. There have been a number of mass extinction events over the multiple millennia. How does that affect the course of biodiversity? Changes it tremendously. So, you know, you, you might have some, you know, like an ecosystem that's been sort of stable for a while and it gets wrecked and now you're left with a handful of species and they start to diversify and fill in the niches that were occupied by others, but they aren't the same as the others. And so it actually creates new diversity, maybe not more of it, but it's a new form of diversity. Uh, but the ecosystems always tend to come back to ones where you have a sustainability component to it until the extinction event happens. And then, of course, it's not sustainable, mm -hmm. but biology is incredibly resilient. And you, know, you see that all the time. You see an abandoned building, and within a few years, there's things growing out of it. Um, it doesn't take long. Why does biodiversity vary across the planet? Well, there's a lot of factors, environment, food availability, minerals available for the food to grow off of. The most diverse places are the ones where you just have lots of niches, mountainous landscapes where you go and you have elevation changes, which give you climate changes along the way. Water availability is changing along the way. So a place like Costa Rica would be incredibly diverse. It's got mountain range, pretty high mountains. It's got a dry side and a wet side. I mean, it's just every place you go, you just see different things, and you don't have to go far. So it's really about the variability in the geology and climate of the planet. You've mentioned uh, David Attenborough in terms of some of the areas that he's focused his viewers on. W what are some of those really almost super bi biodiverse areas? Well, one of the most biodiverse areas is one I mentioned, Costa Rica. It's a very small country. It's about the size of Indiana, and it's got these mountains and rainforests and dry areas. It's got tremendous biodiversity in terms of square foot of tropical places, often where there's abundant moisture so that the plants can really thrive. Because all of biodiversity really depends pretty much on the organisms that can capture sunlight to do mm -hmm. photosynthesis. There are a few places in the bottom of the ocean where they get their energy from geothermal sources, mm -hmm. but the majority of life on the planet is driven by photosynthesis. And so if you have conditions that can provide good photosynthetic growth, there's going to be a lot of biodiversity because there's plenty of food available for the organisms that live off of the plants. 
In next week's Part 2 feature on biodiversity, Dr. Hangarter talks about his work in cataloging our local flora and fauna species. For WFHB's Eager Report, this has been Bob Kissel.